0: I'm Anton here with my co-host Shelby to discuss a variety of topics from across the sustainability universe. Shelby, you have some exciting news to share with the audience.
1: That's right. Uh, last Saturday, I got married, so that's my news.
0: That's really cool.
1: Yeah, thank you. How was
0: it? What was it like?
1: It was a very small ceremony. Uh, just my husband, Ooh, that's so Ooh. weird to say, <laughs> um, and uh, our officiant and one guest. Um, that's We awesome. were hoping to do um, a celebration with family and friends later on in the year, but I was just kind of impatient. Um, so we wanted something really small and easy where there was no stress during the day, so... Really lucked out with the weather. I'm sure you can imagine doing a show like this. I really like to be outside. Mm -hmm. So I wanted this special day to be outside, too. And um, it was 70 degrees and sunny.
0: Amazing. That's so special.
1: Yeah, it was really nice. And I know you'll appreciate this because you're a birder. There was a rookery of turkey vultures. Oh, very cool. Like, basically right underneath the deck where we got married. So I got to, like look at all of these turkey vultures circling, which some people might think is like a bad omen for a wedding, but I really liked it.
0: <laughs> that's good. That's great. Well, that's special. And I know that you got a, a segment later on to talk about.
1: Yeah. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk a little bit about weddings some more later. Yeah. Um, what's going on with you? Anything new?
0: Yeah. Uh, no, uh, nothing super new. Uh, just been getting out, enjoying the nice weather. And yeah. Uh, yeah, just excited to film today. So
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah. And after this, I think you've got a, a trip planned to get outside too.
0: I do. I'm going to Kelly's Island. It is the heat of warbler season. So uh, yeah, excited to get out, do some kayaking, do some biking, do some birding, and connect with nature.
1: Well, I'm glad that before <laughs> you did all those ings, you're here podcasting with me. Yes. So uh, why don't we get into our first segment? Yeah,
0: let's do it. So Shelby, the, the article I'm about to share with you might be a little bit. Repetitive or maybe dry, no pun intended. Oh, uh, seems intended. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about um, climate change in Catalonia, Spain. Okay. So, climate change, as we all know, it, a, a lot of areas across Europe are becoming hotter and drier. And that's the case with Catalonia, Spain, which is normally like a very uh, comfortable Mediterranean type of climate.
1: Yeah, it sounds pretty nice. Maybe we should take a little all things greenfield trip to Catalonia, or are you about to tell me all the reasons that's not a good idea? <laughs>
0: yes, the latter. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, Catalonia, Spain is drying out like like crazy amounts. Mm. They're they're having trouble uh, watering their crops. They're having to truck water in because their lakes are drying up. Sorry,
1: did you say truck it in? Yeah,
0: truck it in. So like expensive, not very sustainable, using mm. fossil fuels to move water from one place to another. I don't know where they're getting the water, but they're bringing it from somewhere.
1: Yeah, I guess they're lucky enough to be close enough to somewhere that they can truck water in.
0: Yes, very lucky. And that's something that I do want to get into. Like, Mm -hmm. they are moving their native fish populations to save them from these drying up lakes.
1: Wait, how do you move a fish population?
0: That's an excellent question, but I'm sure that's also expensive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're they're moving fish, like they're taking them out of Of the lake. Oh my gosh, okay, great. Yeah,
0: because they're like dying of... uh, they, they can't get oxygen. Yeah, it's the, too hot. Yeah, it's too hot. The water level's too low.
1: Okay, so they're bringing in water. Yes. And then they're taking out all the things that are living in the water. This exactly. seems pretty dire.
0: I don't even know where they're moving them to, but they are moving them to save them, to, to save the native fish populations, mm-hmm. which is which is crazy. I mean, this is this is some extreme stuff that we're talking about in regards to climate change. Yeah. And the reason why I kind of led with the fact that this is kind of a dry article is because I feel like Americans especially, we kind of hear this all the time in the news, like, oh, California's drying up, or someplace in Europe the crops are failing because of climate change. And it, it almost feels tired. Like we, we hear this all the time, but we don't always uh see a way forward, maybe. I don't know if you have any insight on.
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I- It's hard to talk about something over and over and over again, which is what this kind of story feels like. Like, Mm -hmm. hello, alarm bell. Like, the world is changing. Human-caused global warming Mm -hmm. isn't just making summertime hotter and that's uncomfortable and we all need to switch to wearing linen clothes. Like, it also means that there are populations where people are trucking in water to make sure that people have enough water to drink and crops have enough uh, water to to continue with agriculture. Mm -hmm. Um, Seeing your story, I looked a little bit into Catalonia because, you know, you're talking about the fact that this is dry, that this is repetitive. We've heard this story before, Catalonia, California, all over the world. We talked about India a few episodes ago. But, like, what does that really mean? What does that look like? We live in this global economy. Catalonia is, maybe I should say was, this very temperate Mediterranean uh, climate. And so it was perfect for growing fruit. Yeah. And that's going to get a lot harder. I I like nectarines. I don't know if our nectarines come from Catalonia, but we don't tend to just eat food that's from down the street. I mean, that's a different conversation for us to have about like where our food comes from. But right now we live in a world where bananas are coming up from central and South America, and maybe our nectarines are coming from Catalonia. And so this has a real human impact on the people that are growing, the people who live there. And then the people who are like sort of the end consumers for, we're talking now about fruit, but there's a lot more to it.
0: Yeah. It it affects, it affects a lot of things. And, uh, what, I'm, what I'm also worried about is I'm worried that maybe people will get too climate cynical about seeing these things, and, and maybe they don't see the changes right off the bat in like a regular myopic news media uh, station. Uh, what I hope to bring to light is that there are cities that are, that are making changes, that there are sustainability goals being set, and there is climate resiliency that are being built into cities. And of course, we have a lot of progress to make, especially in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there are these changes, and so uh, I think we can maybe not rest easy. There's, there's always more work to do. We're gonna have to keep pushing inch by inch.
1: Yes, and yeah. I think that's our job, right? You know, uh, we're talking about a place that has the privilege of being <laughs> apparently close enough by that they can remove all their fish and. Truck in some additional water. Not everywhere has access to this. Climate change looks different all around the world. There yeah. are communities where people are going to have to leave. Yeah. We're going to see climate refugees. In fact, we already see climate refugees who are leaving places because they don't have the option to truck in additional water. And so it's a huge disparity, and I'm, I'm not trying to bring this back to a cynical place. I'm yeah. trying to talk about like why it's important that we keep doing these seemingly dry, repetitive stories. Yeah, because we have to tell the story over and over again until it sticks. Yeah, because if it's not knocking at your back door, it's easy to feel like this is something that's happening to someone else. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe I don't have a sense of what this looks like. in In my field, in public health, I feel like I do this all the time. I work a lot in food security, and I don't know how many times I'm going to be able to go into another room full of people and say like one in five of your neighbors are food insecure children are leaving school and going home and they don't know where they're going to get their dinners they don't know where they're going to get their breakfasts when they're not in school over the weekend kids are more likely to suffer because there's not that guaranteed school lunch it's a big deal and you'd think that you could say that once and people would say oh kids are hungry let's fix that but it's not what happens and so it's easy to get frustrated the same way that we're frustrated trying to talk about climate change. How are you not getting this? Like it's a a huge deal, but when it's not you, you don't see it. And so I think just like I'm doing in my career, I'm just like putting on a happy face or, and trying to show up and like talk about it and make it real for people. So I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you doing that for things like this too.
0: Yeah. And there's so many more facets to this conversation. Um, I, I, I'm really excited to talk more about this in future episodes with you. Same. Uh, talking about the global economy, economic development, uh, creating jobs. There's, there's so much that we can talk about there. So much good that we can continue to talk about. So...
1: I think so, too. Well, we started kind of hard-hitting, but maybe we could talk about something more fun, huh? Let's let's get to it. (laughs) Okay. Well, we we talked about at the beginning that I've recently had my nuptials. Uh, I told you all that it was a pretty small ceremony. Uh, Looks a lot different than what you might consider the traditional wedding. So I thought it might be a little fun for us to talk about. It will be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about weddings and sort of their impact on the environment. Mm -hmm. I want to caveat this right at the beginning, that this is not to say, like, Don't have a wedding. Don't go to your cousin's wedding. Like, we are not here to demonize people and their lifestyles. Weddings are a celebration. They're fun. They're once in a lifetime in some cases. (laughs) 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 And so, like, we just have to remember that the villains here actually aren't, like, your friend who wants to throw a big wedding, even though we're going to talk now about how you can make some better choices individually. Yeah. We're going to keep pushing for, like, big corporations to fix climate change, governments to fix climate change, and, like, our individual choices aren't it. So I just wanted to say that at the top. If you've got any fun wedding plans, you know, people's weddings you're going to attend, we're not demonizing those people. Of course not, yeah. (laughs) That said, (laughs) weddings are kind of bad for the environment, man. Really? Um, So... I'm specifically quoting from an article from the New York Times, although there's plenty of other resources out here that back this up, where they said, and I'll quote this, According to a study by a sustainability consulting agency, Edge Impact, Mm -hmm. in 2020, Mm -hmm. the average American wedding, we are talking about the United States here, emits 57,152 kilograms of carbon dioxide. America. Yeah. (laughs) You would need to plant over 2,700 trees to offset that carbon footprint. That's a lot of trees. Yeah. I don't know about you, but of all the weddings I've been to, I've, I've never seen a one tree being planted much less 2700 yeah it's like that movie 27 dresses but 2700 trees to make up for all those dresses
0: that's that's plenty of uh dresses and trees yeah i actually haven't seen that movie
1: (laughs) that doesn't surprise me but (laughs) um i wanted to like touch really briefly on like how we get to numbers like this so we're talking about like carbon dioxide from one event, how would you measure that? Uh, We'll use techniques like life cycle analysis. Um, Are you familiar with life cycle analysis?
0: Uh, No. A little bit? No? A little
1: bit. Uh, Life cycle analysis is essentially just like this study of how something produces climate-related impact, um, greenhouse gases throughout its Life cycle. So, something like we might assume that carrying a canvas bag is better because you can reuse it. But if you do a life cycle analysis, you can see that, like, a plastic bag actually might have less impact.
0: I know about this idea now. I just didn't know the, the, the language for it. That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: This isn't me saying like, go use plastic bags, but you need to like use your canvas bags a lot for its life cycle to be better for the environment than a plastic yeah,
0: bag. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So they use those kinds of techniques to look at all sorts of different facets of the average American wedding and think about the carbon mm-hmm. offput. Off put <laughs> the carbon output, like yeah. output, yeah. thank you. Um, of those things. So like what what do you think about when you think about weddings as far as like what what goes into oh, man. it?
0: I mean, so my sister's getting married this September. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I I'm sure she appreciates that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um I mean I think of like, you know, booking this venue with all of this like, I don't know, silverware and plates and napkins and food and I don't know, I guess stuff like that. Like maybe you got like some confetti or something or oh yeah, a lot of alcohol. Usually. A lot of
1: alcohol, yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually get into the CO2 output of the alcohol, but that's a good question. We've talked about that before. Um, so yeah, all the things you mentioned, you talked yeah. about food we have talked about food waste on this show before and when you're trying to host a party you really want to make sure that nobody's hungry because that's a terrible party yeah um but (laughs) then if you order too much food trying to avoid that you end up with a lot of food waste but it's still a good party i mean it's a great party so again like we get why people do it but the food waste is insane you're throwing away a lot of produce producing methane like not great um Single-use items you talked about like confetti you talked about plastic items Not every wedding is using like plastic cutlery, but some are or other versions of sort of single-use things
0: Maybe like a solo cup or something if you're like my family. Yeah,
1: totally (laughs) or even like your outfits like Men are more traditionally like renting tuxes You see that more for men, but a lot of women buy a brand new dress in the u.s Yeah, and you probably aren't gonna wear it again because I don't know any other occasion you could wear a traditional wedding dress dress to so other options could be things like can women rent their dresses or can you wear something you could wear again that's what I did I bought a dress that was green um, and like not overly formal like something that made me feel pretty but also that I can like wear to other people's weddings yeah. or like other special occasions um, or even things like the invitations you send out like mm. sure invitations are paper uh you can recycle paper but like sometimes they come with like glitter inside or like other like plasticky, or it's a whole freaking
0: magnet or it's like a whole
1: <laughs> magnet. Oh my gosh. Which is like clever. I like when yeah. people do that in the sense of like, Oh, I won't forget it. Sorry but for
0: anybody who oh, I, I, I think I, it's a very neat idea. Yeah.
1: I mean, I have, hate. I definitely have one on my fridge, <laughs> no names Same. named, but, but yeah, I mean, think about the fact that if you're inviting 50 to a hundred guests and you've just made these magnets that are only going to be relevant for like, The next few months to remind people and then they just get thrown away so that's kind of like the single use item issue flowers are a big deal too Mm. if you're trying to do something that's like not native to the area where you're hosting your wedding then you're bringing in flowers there's a lot of co2 emissions from that Um, and they die really quickly i love flowers but i got married outside so they were just like flowers in the ground Mm, um (laughs) and then things like travel like how many people are you inviting to come and see you for this day again this is not us saying like don't have a wedding because it's bad for you to travel we're just talking about it in terms of like what the output looks like so that maybe people can make decisions about what they value and what they don't if sustainability is a priority for you like if you had to choose something that you wanted to like knock off the list. I don't care about that. So that it meant that you could invite more people. Like what would you, yeah, what would you or, do?
0: or even just make like a substitute. Like instead of confetti, like maybe uh, I've heard about people hole-punching like leaves or something, yeah. you know, for like an autumn wedding. I think that's way cooler than just like some, you know, paper, like tissue paper confetti or whatever confetti's
1: made out of. I don't know. Yeah, it's like the single use <laughs> thing and then it's also going to be everywhere. You're NMS, never going to clean yeah. all that up. yeah. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to talk about here um, were gifts. We spend a lot of time and money and CO2 emissions. You still haven't sent me your registry. I don't have one. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. Okay. I know. Shelby doesn't have a registry. I know.
1: Well, I, I love receiving a good gift. Yes. I don't love receiving a bad gift. Okay. It just feels like this thing I have to own. I get like climate guilt when I receive mm, a gift that I know I'm yeah. not going to use um, or something that I know someone bought just because they feel like they have to buy something. Yeah. Um, and so it's like not, necessarily a useful thing. So registries are great in that you can actually ask for things that you're going to use. Um, yeah. Maybe ask your guests to stick to it so they're not bringing you random weird things that yeah. aren't going to be useful and probably took a lot of um, plastic to make. You know, Thank you so much to random family member who buys you a new plastic set of dishes that you didn't actually ask for and now yeah. you're going to just donate back and
0: I've actually heard, uh, I have an old man friend that uh, didn't really stick to the registry, and he actually bought somebody a dozen doves, like live doves. Wow. I don't know what happened to the doves. It's not like they were released. These were like pet doves.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Stick to the registry people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Stick to the registry people. Uh, So, you know, I just, I wanted to bring it up because it's kind of fun. This is the way that I did my wedding was really small. There's no wrong way to do it, but... There are some alternatives. I encourage any couples out there that are getting married to just think about it. Put it on your list if you care about sustainability to consider some alternatives. You don't have to do exactly what uh, the the society at large tells you a wedding has to include for it to be a really special day.
0: Yeah, make it special in your own way.
1: Yeah. Well, we've spent a lot of time on having a little fun about weddings, but let's talk about another initiative uh, that's coming up this month.
0: Ooh, I'm excited. So, (laughs) No Mo May...
1: No, we still have a lot Mo May.
0: Yeah. Well, oh, a lot Mo May. Oh, I get it. Sorry, it took me a second. Well, no Mo May hot take is lame.
1: Okay, tell me what it is. And here's
0: why. So AP, the Associated Press, for all those who uh, aren't familiar with the AP, Mm -hmm. uh, they, they reported that no Mo May is actually not great for your backyard ecosystem. And let's, let's get into why, right?
1: Yeah, can you tell me what no-mow-may is So first?
0: Yeah, so no-mow-may is, I mean, you've heard of like no-shave November. It's kind of yeah. like that, but for like your backyard or your front yard. So you're not really mowing down any of the grass. You're just kind of letting uh, nature take its course. It's going to grow really long for the whole month of May. And the intention is you're going to be helping out your pollinators by feeding them with the, the dandelions that come up and, and whatever else comes up.
1: This um, sounds really good, so... It t- sounds really good. <laughs> but tell me why it's not.
0: Well, it's it's not super... Uh, imagine this. Imagine you're like a little groundhog, okay? I would love it. Or, or a squirrel or something like that. <laughs> That's
1: my dream, Anton. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> or even a mushroom. I could just keep naming things.
1: I could go with mushroom, but I'll stop at like chipmunk. <laughs> okay, tell, tell, I'm, chipmunk. I'm imagining okay. myself. I'm a chipmunk now.
0: Okay, so imagine you find this nice little nestled hole in this backyard where there's a lot of cover, you feel safe, and then June 1st rolls around. And then that mower runs over your hole, and you don't have a safe home anymore. Uh, and imagine now that you're a bee, and you've been going to this nice dandelion for the past month getting getting all this pollen. and then Getting it's
1: drinks at the dandelion. Getting drinks at the
0: dandelion, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, boom, June 1st hits, the lawn gets mowed, and now you don't know where to go for that pollen anymore. Mm. So... It's not so much of a, a matter of it's a bad practice to let your lawn grow long. It's it's a matter of we need to be able to sustain that throughout uh, all, all months of the year. And so what I'd like to propose is actually a uh, meadow that you can plant. You can mow your lawn down really short and you can actually throw some like native seeds that will grow into like a meadow that you don't have to grow. It'll kind of just grow wild, beautiful wildflowers, sedges, grasses uh, that came up with all of these uh, insects and pollinators and, uh, local, uh, mammals, reptiles, and they kind of co coexist and it's, it's a much better ecosystem than just, you know, showing, showing up for May and then it's all mowed down. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: It does. So just to like say it back to you and see if I'm getting it, it sounds like what you're saying is no mow May is a good idea in theory. Yeah. It's like in the right direction of we want to take care of our pollinators and also it's not accomplishing the end goal. So like there's alternatives right. that are like sustainable throughout the whole year. What yeah. is what does that meadow look like? Like is that gonna appeal to people? I know that shouldn't be the only thing we consider, but it is a consideration. Yeah, it's like it's it a look like? more
0: Yeah, a little bit of a little are, these are wildflowers, so a are bit of a little bit are a little bit a blazing star, which a mm. like a tall, purpley flower. a mm. um, like uh, very, I a not know. Kind of like a pine cone of purple flowers. That's like like the best way to put it. Black-eyed Susans, which are classic, you know, uh, very uh, yellow flower. Yeah, (laughs) which is with a little black eye. (laughs) With a little black eye, yeah. Um, You're also going to have like sedges and stuff. So these are just like grasses that are going to grow longer, like maybe like some drooping rye or other things that just kind of hang out. They sway in the wind. They look very pretty as well. Uh, in my opinion, but some people might be a little bit turned off by these more wild, more jungly looking landscapes. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that you've been looking for houses in the area and uh, in Cleveland Heights, they're doing a no-mo-may executive order
1: yeah i saw that so you're allowed to let your lawn grow in cleveland heights for the month of may um which again like shout out to the mayor of cleveland it's heights great progress for like trying something i did go looking at homes over in cleveland heights and um my husband was looking at yards and going like what's happening over here like <laughs> do people not take care of their lawns and so we talked about No Mo may and you know we were on board with it once we learned about it but you know hearing from you i can say like good for the people for trying and like, I'd like for them to hear about your alternatives. Yeah.
0: It's, it's a small step. It's, it's an excellent step. Uh, you know, even five years ago, I don't think we would have seen, uh, no momay pop up anywhere in the County, but this is like such a cool step that Cleveland Heights is taking to open up the conversation and to, um, have people step in, in the sustainability world to educate them more about these meadows and these wildflowers that they can be planting in their own yard.
1: Yeah. I love that. Well, I've really enjoyed talking about No May with you today. Same. And all same. sorts of other things. All sorts of things. <laughs> um, should I tell the audience how they can uh, find us in the future?
0: Why don't you? Okay, cool.
1: <laughs> if you'd like to stay connected to us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at OnePlanetMedia. That's O-N-E-1. And if you'd like to rewatch full episodes, check out our YouTube channel, All Things Green Show. You can find all of our sources from today's episode in our show notes.
0: We'll be back at the same time next Thursday to bring you more news. Thank you so much for being a part of the global sustainability movement.